Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And we've done this now for maybe three years, I think, maybe even more, where I've taken a taken a minute to stop and look back at some of the music books that have come out over the past year that I want to recommend to you. Now, I really believe in the importance of, of reading and, and, and I've always wanted to be a reader all through like elementary school and high school and college and beyond. I really wanted to be a reader. Readers were someone that people that I admired and I was always really attracted to books and the smell of books and buying books. And I would buy a lot of books and then I would just leave them kicking around, maybe read not even the first chapter. In fact, I think it's 80% of books are incomplete or don't make it past the first chapter. Um, so it's a, obviously it's a, a pandemic, endemic of, of non-readers out there. But something clicked maybe um, eight or nine years ago. And now I read a lot, a ton, a ton of books and uh, mostly nonfiction. And I, I really think that they've changed my life. They really have helped me with my habits, my sleep habits, my eating habits. Um, they've helped me with my creative habits, which we're going to talk about in today's episode. Anyway, so I'm a huge fan of being a reader. And I just hope that if you're not a reader that you still keep trying because um, it will it will eventually click and you'll just get addicted to it. Um, I also do this thing. I'm sure you do this as well, where I judge a book by its cover. And I will see a cover. The One of the books we're going to talk about today has a gorgeous cover. And uh, I get really attracted to it and I add it to my cart or I, or I skim through it at the bookstore based on the cover alone. I also do that with music. I will see a great album cover and I'll go to Apple Music to listen to it to see if the music is as good as the album cover is good. And I do that all the time. And you know what? There, nobody does uh, album covers better or album packages better than our friends at Vinyl Moon, who ironically just so happen to be the sponsor of today's episode. So I want to give a shout out to our friends at Vinyl Moon, who are this monthly subscription, vinyl subscription club, where you get a different release, a different record every single month. But it's not an from an artist. It's a compilation that they highly curate. It's like a mixtape that comes in the mail. But they do something really beautiful with the packaging. There's this, uh, they hire a different visual artist every month and they do incredible work with the vinyl color and the, and sometimes they do die cuts on the jackets. Anyway, a lot of care and love goes into this. And if you're getting one every month in the mail as a music fan, as a vinyl fan, it's something you should really check out. So go to vinylmoon.co and thanks to them for sponsoring today's episode. Okay. So there are three books I want to tell you about that I've read that, um, a lot of them, you know, some, uh, okay, to say it changed my life, some of them changed my life. Some of them have really changed my view of creativity, but they have also, some of these books have changed my view of the music industry. And as record label owners or independent artists, we need to have these little aha moments throughout the year that just help us grow either as creatives or as business people. So um, I want to, the first book, we actually had the author on the show, Larry Jaffe, and that is Record Store Day. It's a book about Record Store Day. Now, the book is called Record Store Day, The Most Improbable Comeback, because it's about the comeback of record stores and the comeback of vinyl. And so this is something when we talked about the, we talked to the author and we talked all about this subject um, back around the Record Store Day time of year. And so uh, it was a privilege for me to kind of like binge this book as quickly as possible before I got to talk to Jeff about Record Store Day, about vinyl, 
And I just really loved, you know, the history of, of Record Store Day. And some of us feel like it's overwhelming or problematic now because like it's stressful. It's maybe become too commercial, too owned by major labels, whatever. But we learn about its origins, the origins of the comic book industry and and how it came, you know, comic book stores were doing this to start with and record store owners were like, hey, we should do something like that because there's a similarity between comic books and records and people who collect comic books and people who collect records. And so I found it so fascinating to understand the impact that Record Store Day has had on the records that we see today. And, and in fact, I find that a Sunday or a Saturday in a record store or something, you know, like a Black Friday sale or a Boxing Day. I don't know if Americans have Boxing Day, but I think the British do and Canadians certainly do. But anyway, it's the day after Christmas. Um, I, I find that those like, just like a busy Saturday in the spring or in the fall in a record store today in 2023 is like this as busy as like the first couple of record store days. And so it's obviously worked. It's worked that record stores are popular again, that people are there buying records. I spoke to a record store owner who said that record store day uh, is a great thing because it just elevates the whole and it increases sales and traffic throughout the whole year. So love this book. Record store day took place uh, starting in 2008 and still goes on today. And just knowing the the history of it uh, and, and the community and the tangible impact that it's had on, on records is really cool. My second uh, book that I want to talk to you about is um, by Donald Passman. And we've done a review of this before. And if you're in the music industry, you've seen this book before, but this is looks new and it's called All You Need to Know About the Music Business. But this is revised and updated. And it just came out a couple months ago, maybe even a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's got a beautiful new cover. They changed the color. I think it's updated maybe every two to four years. No, sorry, four to five years, maybe. Uh, I don't know what they, like how often they aim to update it. Maybe they just wait until some significant things are happening. And I want to mention, first of all, when I've done my review about this book before, why I think it's essential that you own this is because it's like a Bible. It's like a reference guide. In fact, it should be on your bookshelf. Even if you're not a reader, you should still have this because if your artist asks you a question about management, touring, contracts, publishing, streaming, maybe you don't know the answer. Maybe you don't have a very specific answer. And instead of Googling it, Donald is a lawyer. He's been in the music industry for a very long time. And I just like to have this book to get kind of like the end-all be-all of any given topic in any facet in the music industry. So I love having this book on hand. I have a copy of the previous edition over there in my library, and now I have the updated edition. And so I think it's essential to kind of have this and to draw upon it. But if you're going to read it from start to finish, it's not a slog. Even though it's a super big, thick, encyclopedia-looking book, it's actually quite entertaining. It's easy to read. It's spaced out really well. It's funny, and I think in this version, I think Don got a little funnier, which is really cool. So I'm, I'm very happy about this. And there are some significant upgrades. Let me go through them real quick. Um, it's uh, NFTs and Web3, they touch on a little bit, and I was a little worried because I thought, man, that's like losing a lot of steam, even perhaps since Don had written the changes and some of the thoughts on NFTs and Web3. But he addressed that. And so he caught that in time to know that that market has cooled down a little bit. He was a little critical of it, but he really, you know, his opinion, he doesn't have a lot of opinions in this book. It's like, this is what you need to know. This is what other people are saying. These are what the facts are. These are what court cases have determined. And so I, I really appreciated that 
that it was super up to date, like super up to date when it came to NFTs and, and whether or not we're going to hear any more from those. Streaming was really interesting as well, especially the, the dilution of our royalty pool that is happening um, with the free users that use Spotify uh, and how that all works. I found that to be really, really interesting and how that may get even worse with AI created music where nobody is really entitled to a royalty. And so that's getting a little hairy and Don helps us out with that. Uh, I think he probably is kicking himself because I think it would probably be after they went to, to press with this book that Spotify announced that they're not going to be paying the bottom thousand. So it, Spotify is addressing a lot of the dilution problem and some of the um, fake songs that are out there. Um, and in this new update that's coming in the early 2024. But I think Don probably missed that announcement, specifically the fact that people aren't going to be paid for the first thousand streams, or if you don't hit a thousand threshold, we still don't know if they're going to pay. If you do hit that, if you get a thousand and one, do you get paid for one stream or do you get paid for a thousand and one stream? So we don't know the answer to that, but that wasn't mentioned in this book. Forgive me if I missed it, but I don't think it was, but because it was announced after this went to press. So Don's probably kicking himself that he missed that because that's a big deal. A lot of people want to talk about that. And I'm sure he's very passionate about that. Um, but there's also some great stuff about starting a publishing company in here. I, which a lot of people ask us about, and we have that in our course and we have that in our books as well. Um, but that's very interesting. One of my favorite parts of it was, uh, talking about the, the popularity of selling catalogs. A lot of people are buying catalogs of like Bruce Springsteen and my buddy, Phil Collins. And there's, and, and what's interesting is like, that doesn't relate to a lot of us indie record labels because we're probably not going to be selling our catalogs. But what's really interesting about that topic is why are people interested in those catalogs? And the reason is, is because streaming is growing music and streaming still has more growth to happen. There's still more markets that are going to adopt streaming and hopefully the streaming membership prices go up as well. And so there's more money pouring into streaming. And a lot of these catalogs include songs that are evergreen that are listened, they're not dependent on these artists releasing new records every year or every three years. These are songs like All I Want for Christmas is You from Mariah Carey that is played millions of times every single year, regardless of how popular the artist is. And so that's really interesting. And Don addresses that in this book. I just think all you need to know about the music business is a great book. And I just think it's something that you need to have. If you have the last edition, that's okay. If you have an edition four or five ago, maybe it's time to upgrade. Um, but it's still really important to have one of those in your library. Finally, the mo uh, far less practical than uh, Don's book is Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act, A Way of Being. Now, I'm a fan of Rick Rubin and I'm a fan of his like, you know, the way he looks and the way he thinks and the way, you know, um, not all of the records he's produced. I don't necessarily believe that he can just touch a record and it turns to gold, although that does happen, turns to platinum. Um, but I'm a big fan of what he did with, with, um, Johnny Cash. You know, that was really, that was a really cool time. Anyway, when this book was announced, I was so excited because I really wanted to get into the mind of Rick and I started reading it. I bought it the day it came out. It's got a very cool cover. It's like a cotton cover as well. I started reading this book the day it came out and I was pissed off. I was so mad because I thought it'd be a little bit more of a biography. I thought it would give us a bit more insights into the records he made, maybe tell some of the stories about him and Johnny Cash working together or Tom Petty. I was like, 
so bummed that this was like, I don't know, man, this was like uh, just talking to like a guy on the street who's like a bit crazy. And I was like, what is he talking about here? I don't even, it's honestly, it sounded like AI had written this. It's like, write a book that's like super ephemeral that maybe could have been written by a yogi or by Rick Rubin. And then ChatGPT spits out like a bunch of nonsense. So I was really pissed off in the first couple of chapters. Now, I know this is sounding like a negative review. So why am I recommending this? At some point, I got the book. I just, I got it. I understood what he was trying to do. And something started resonating with me. More specifically, it was this idea, this overall theme that we rethink how we think about making music or about making art. Mostly it's about making music. And that challenge to stop ourselves, to take ourselves out of that routine and to rethink how we do things. Now, I've talked about this story uh, on the podcast so many times, so I apologize for using my own example. It sounds like I'm self-promoting. But I've mentioned before that this year I did a record. I wrote and recorded a record in 10 days and I sent it off to press um, on the 10th day. It was mastered. And that's insane to me. Um, and, and I tell this story just because it was such an incredibly creative experience. And I would attribute um, a big portion of it to Rick's book, Rick's book because he mentioned in the book, he was talking about your rules and... Um, you know, throwing out the rules. And when we talk about throwing out the rules and creativity, that's kind of a cliche, right? We always talk about that. We always talk about, okay, um, these are the rules that in the industry says we need to have a verse and then a chorus and then another verse, then a bridge. I remember one time a producer told me, he's like, this is a great song, but it doesn't have a bridge as if it was like you a hundred percent have to have a bridge or you'll get arrested. There are rules in the music industry. There's rules in mixing and there's rules in mastering. And there's all sorts of like, quote unquote, rules that are either unwritten or explicitly said to us, to artists, to DIY artists. And I think it's our responsibility as creatives to try to break those rules. But that's cliche. That's obvious. As a creative person today, we know that. What Rick's book taught me was the challenge to break your own rules and so I started working on this record and I had these songs and I started out by doing the same old thing. I record a ghost track, just a scratch track to a click. And then I'd go over to the synth and I'd come up with a cool little synth line, maybe find some drum beats or whatever. And it was just like the same pattern that I had done for the past three albums. And so the challenge, the book challenged me to, yes, Breaking music industry rules is easy. We do that all the time. It's easy to get rid of stuff that are cliche, but it's hard to get rid of our own rules. It's hard to break our own creative and not even rules because we may not even know that they exist, but this creative pattern, this thing that we do all the time, the same chords, the same settings on our synth that we do that all the time. And so that really challenged me to just do things differently, to use sounds I would never use and to use a process that I would never use. Anyway, I, I completely changed my mind on this book and I continued to read it and found more gems that really helped with my creative process. So I highly recommend Rick's new book. I highly recommend all of these books and I hope that um, they help you as a business person, as a creative, as a human being. By the way, we've released some books this year as well. We have some more micro books. We talk about artwork. We talk about sync, music publishing, uh, email marketing. So you can check those out on our website, otherrecordlabels.com. As I mentioned, I think it's very important for folks to be readers. 
not just music books. On this channel, on these uh, annual episodes, I highlight music books because I think it relates to our job. But I will say some of the most impactful books for me have not been in the music sphere. They've been business books. And so there's a ton of great business books. I keep all of the books that I recommend for you folks on one central location. If you go to otherrecordlabels.com slash books, very simple. There's a link below, otherrecordlabels.com slash books. And this is where I put my life books. I put my music books. I put my business books, um, philosophical books, anything that I feel has helped me as an artist, as a creative, as a business person, then I think they'll help you as well. You can find today's books as well as all the books from the previous book reviews the past couple of years. You can find them at otherrecordlabels.com slash books. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this helpful and inspiring. And again, thanks to our friends at Vinyl Moon, an incredible monthly vinyl subscription club that you should check out. They've been friends of our show for a long time in our community. And I really appreciate them supporting other record labels. So thanks to them and check them out at vinylmoon.co.